The reading is from Matthew chapter 2, and it's from verses 1 to 8. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Thank you, Rosie, very much. Um, I don't know if you know this story. I, I gather it's true that uh, the snooker player, uh, Neil Robertson, Australian fellow, you know him, with the hair. I, I'm so envious. Um, but apparently he, he once uh, decided he had a match to go to in Barnsley. Who wants to go to Barnsley anyway? So there you go. He said he sat nav to Barnsley and off he went. Um, the only trouble was he set it for Barnsley in Gloucestershire and his match was in Barnsley, Yorkshire. He ended up at the wrong town and he met the wrong people and therefore he couldn't do what he was meant to do that day, win a snooker match, he would hope. Let's pray that we end up at the right place with the right king in the right town. Let's pray, shall we, before we get into the word of God. Father, please teach us what you want us to know this morning. Help us to understand your truth, your word, your words of life, that light came into the world to show us who Jesus really is. Pray that we may meet the real Jesus in his place this morning. Amen. Now, Matthew's description of the birth of Jesus is, is very brief, and it's to the point. He jumps from Joseph's dream, which we were looking at last week, uh, and the next thing he says in verse 1 of chapter 2 is after Jesus was born. So he's left out all the shepherds and stable and all that stuff that we get in Luke. Um, and Mark doesn't mention any of the birth narrative. And John starts with those, in the beginning was the word words, which we all know so well. So this is a, a man who jumps from, from Joseph straight into this. No stable, no shepherds. Just Bethlehem in the time of Herod. And therefore, if that's what the Bible is teaching us, that's what we must look at this morning and see what it is. Bethlehem, it's only about five miles from Jerusalem. If you go there today, you have to go through a big wall. And uh, you, you lose your Jewish guide because he daren't go in there. It's a Palestinian town today. It's in the West Bank. And you go in there under great security. But Matthew makes it clear that this is Bethlehem in Judea. All these words, uh, you need to understand, they all mean something. And there was another Bethlehem, again, the wrong town, near Nazareth. But this was Bethlehem in Judea. 
But Matthew, most of all, I think, wants to link Jesus to David. The place had had a long history in Israel, Bethlehem, that is. The place where Jacob buried his beloved Rachel, Genesis 35, when she died giving birth to Benjamin. And if you come a bit later, of course, it was here that Benjamin's descendant, David, was born, 1 Samuel 16. And from then on, it was known as the City of David. It had a history. And uh, there's that little bit that I, when I was a child, I was on, what's that funny little word, Ephrathah, which is very difficult to say. And I always wondered what it was when I was a kid. Uh, and all it is, is just like Americans would say, we tend not to, but they say Chicago, Illinois, don't they? Uh, we would say um, just Winchester. But it was Bethlehem Ephrathah. It was the kind of county, if you like, that surrounded it. And Micah, of course, in chapter 5, verse 2 of his prophecies, prophesied that Bethlehem, that's, that's where it would come from. That's where the Messiah would come from. And the expectation of hundreds of years, if you've read the Old Testament right the way through, and I'm sure you have, uh, you, you get this feeling of, of longing. Uh, you go back to the patriarchs and you go right through the, the history of, of Israel and you get to a place where, well, the kings have blown it and, and several other people have not done good in the sight of the Lord. And, and then where, where is he? Where is the one? Where is the Savior? Where is the Messiah? And the prophets long for it. They were looking for what we call the consolation of Israel that we mentioned earlier. And so when in John chapter 7 we get Jesus discussing uh, in dialogue with some people in Jerusalem, and they ask, how can the Christ come from the Galilee? Galilee's in the north. And, and there was great discussion going on between Jesus and these people. And, of course, it was the north that Jesus had been brought up in. Nazareth in the north as well. And can there possibly be that the Messiah comes from Galilee? Because they knew their scriptures. The, the scriptures say clearly the Messiah will come from Bethlehem in the south. So how can this man be the Messiah, they were saying? Can't be possible. Now, what about Herod? A bit of background first. We'll get into this in a minute. This is the so-called Herod the Great. He was half Jew, half Edomite, or Idumean, if you prefer it. Uh, he was appointed king by the Roman Empire in B.C. 40, and he took office in about B.C. 37. He died in B.C. 4, which means that Jesus has got to be born before that. It's one of those quirks. If you want the detail of the calendar quirk, come and talk to me afterwards. It'll take me about five minutes to explain it to you. So you can't have Jesus born in AD naught because Herod wasn't around. He was dead. Interesting to note, a birth of a baby in David's town is already causing division. We see two responses. We see the response of these people who came from the east and they've come to praise and worship. We see a king, a prestige-seeking king. He loved his buildings, Herod. He was ruthless to anybody who got in his way. He killed people with impunity. He didn't think about it. And so we have the two responses to Jesus. Now the Magi, if that is what they were, there's a lot of legend attached to these guys. Uh, we get all sorts of things, don't we, that come up with Christmas. The, the, the classic one, of course, is three. It never says in the Bible there were three. Uh, there were three gifts. That doesn't mean to say there were three men. Um, there could have been two, probably not. There's probably an entourage. That's the way they traveled. 
lots of camels. So that, that bit of the Christmas card is all right. You know, with camels on the skyline, you know, walking along and uh, these guys. That, that's probably okay. No reason to think they were kings. Um, no evidence for that, really, in the way that we mean it, somebody who rules an empire. There's no biblical evidence at all that they were called Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar, if indeed they were. But I have to reveal to you, after extensive research, we now know where they came from. We know exactly the place. If I get away with this, it'll be murder. Um, they actually came from a little village near Tehran called Orientar. You knew that, didn't you? Yeah? Yeah? We three kings of Orient are. If you haven't got it, forget it. That's terrible. Why did I pull that one? It's dire. Yeah. Uh, but, but let's understand a little bit about what they really were, the Magi. Well, they'd been a tribe of priests in Persia for centuries. But by the first century, they, it was the kind of name that was applied to magicians and sorcerers uh, from many nations. But they saw something. What did they see? Comet, coalescent planets... Who knows? People speculated, but in their culture, if you saw something move in the heavens, now I had this once in Cornwall, and I I went out late at night, no sort of street lights anywhere, and I saw this thing go across the sky, and I thought, wow, it's the Star of Bethlehem, and my wife enlightened me that it was probably a satellite. But yeah, there you go, you get it right sometimes. But they saw something which made them think, there is something going on. God used that to draw those people to himself. The light was shone, and it shone towards Jesus. Go and find light. Go and find truth. Go and find reality. And I think the miracle is that these guys did that. I read a couple of commentaries on this, and they both sort of got really excited about the fact that these guys, what did they have? One star, a foreign country, one baby. Now, have you ever tried? I'll tell you what, I'll send you to Barnsley. There you go. Go and find yourself a baby in Barnsley. And I I wouldn't take it on. It's nuts. And yet, God in his grace and mercy said, go, and they went. I wish I was that good at obeying God's word. I wish I was as good at saying, okay, God, you've spoken to me. Well, I need to sift this. I need to think about it. Give me time, God. I'm not in the mood today. These guys heard it, saw it, and went because they wanted to meet with he that was king of the Jews. They knew that. Now, that is is amazing Did they know that Herod truly was the king of the Jews at that time? Did they know that? I don't know. It's not easy to tell that. But that title, king of the Jews, is never used again until it's put on top of the cross of Jesus. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, writes Matthew at the end of his gospel. So he starts with king of the Jews and he finishes with king of the Jews. It's clear what Matthew thinks. So the contrast could not have been sharper. Herod held power by armed strength, by brutality, by cruelty, by oppression. At Calvary, Jesus showed love and compassion and that he had come to save people from their sin. 
And these visitors from the East had been drawn to him with minimal information. Uh, There's something both surprising and attractive about that, isn't there? That these people were drawn. And it's a wonderful surprise that in the end they found him. They were single-minded, they were purposeful, and they would not rest until they found him. There's that corny thing, isn't there? I used to see it on wayside pulpits. Uh, Wise men came to Jesus, they still do. That's true, isn't it? That if only we, perhaps in our secular culture, think, I can solve this, I need to look at this, I'm capable of being the master of my own destiny. I know what I'm doing. And what God is saying through this story is, is that wise men come to Jesus. And they talk to Jesus. And they listen to Jesus. And they develop their relationship with Jesus. And they want to know more about Jesus. And if this Christmas is about anything, let it be about that. Let it be about men and women who say, okay, as for me, I will serve the Lord. I, I want to get closer to this Jesus I want to know not just about the baby of Bethlehem. I want to know about the teaching. I want to know about what he really died for. I want to know why he rose again from the dead. I want to know where he is now. I want to go searching for Jesus. And not the Jesus gentle, meek, was it gentle Jesus, meek and mild, or the no crying he makes that Sue loves so much, you know. Uh, it's not that Jesus. This is the Jesus who said, if you cause one of my kids to stumble... It's better that someone puts a rock around your neck and chucks you in the Mediterranean. I paraphrase slightly, but that's the gist of it. This is the Jesus who came out of the Hulda Gate, the south side of Jerusalem, pointed up to the Mount of Olives, which was full of mount, white tombs. Come with me in October and I'll show it to you all. Uh, there it is, up there. You're like that. Whitened sepulchres. Empty, bony tombs. That's what you're like. But this is the Jesus who also said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the Jesus who looked down on people that were downtrodden and ill and sick and reached out with compassion. That's the Jesus I want people to search out for. Yes, it starts in Bethlehem, and it's a wonderful story. But when they arrived, of course, they did indeed go to the wrong king and the wrong palace. Jerusalem was Herod's seat of power, so it was a very natural thing to go. It was full of his prestige buildings. You can still see some of them today, the great wall that he built on the side of the temple. And the eastern visitors would have had absolutely no reason to know anything about Jewish tradition. Herod was disturbed, we read. I bet he was. His, his opposition is a challenge. Is someone coming to usurp his throne. And so he gathered his leaders. And they knew exactly the place because they could quote Micah's prophecy. That's what they do. This is the man who will come to shepherd his people Israel. They had lacked a shepherd for many, many hundreds of years. Now they're going to get one. And this is going to be the one who would shepherd his people. And so they find out. How do they find out? They find out when they read God's word. When they look at Micah 5.2, and they would have known it very well, they would have known perfectly well where the Messiah was to come from, they know that's where to go. Do I need to make the obvious point? We will find out about God when we read about what God says. 
And that's why we come, isn't it, each week to listen and hopefully ourselves spend time studying, thinking, reading, asking God to speak to us through his word. Can I just slip in a little line here? Is it possible that some of us who've been around the Christian circuit for many, many years, it can, oh yeah, we, we've read that. I once saw a, a lovely cartoon where a, a monk was being handed a Bible. It's nothing against monks, this story, by the way. And, and he, he just sort of puts his hand out. He says, no thanks, I've read it. No thanks, I've read it. Uh, and isn't it possible to come to, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was made flesh, and all these lovely lines that we know so well, and say, no, I've read that. Rather than asking God's Holy Spirit to lighten that Word up for you. And the tingle factor, the Word became flesh, is still there. Wow. The Word that spoke into creation, everything that there was, and it was good has been embodied in a body and become flesh. Get a grip on that if you can. I can't. That's amazing. That's tingly. That's just so good. And then we will see that these men were, were there to worship. Had they any experience of the one true God, the God of Israel? Possibly. That idea had spread to their culture down there in Persia where they probably came from. The word of God had told them the truth. And Herod just wanted to abuse it. The hypocrisy of that man knows no bounds. Please tell me, do read it right. The, the account is, is very clear in the original. Please may I come. I would love to worship him. Nonsense. Total hypocrisy. Here was a rival. He'd got to be stamped out. How do we know that? Well, from his subsequent action, of course, when he slaughtered the innocents. So we know that's what his game was. And this clash is, is come up again here. The long-for Savior had come. Isaiah longed for it. Micah longed for it. The Jewish nation longed for it. Here it is. The one thing Herod wants to do is to put it to death. Which, of course, in the end happened. And that means that your sin and my sin is forgiven. Because Jesus came to die for our sin. And we know that, don't we? And they had been led by patriarchs, by judges, by kings. All had been failures in, in many, many ways. There were one or two bright spots in amongst them. And now Herod, for personal gain and power, thinks, to coin a modern phrase, that God is dead. There are many people today who would love to say that. You'll probably meet them this Christmas time. They'll probably say, it's only a story. Well, I'll take you on a flight to Israel anytime you like, and I'll show you it's not a story. It's got good historical documented basis for this narrative that we've been looking at this morning. We need not doubt it. God's word tells us who Jesus is. It tells us about a nation who were heading to the ultimate act of human history. And here it was in the coming of Jesus Christ in the days of Herod the king in Bethlehem. Because, you see, it's still true. Look, look, at, look around you here. And, and we here today are evidence that God still, through his Son and the wonderful presence of his Holy Spirit, changes lives. 
I wouldn't be here if that wasn't true, nor would you. God has a wonderful way of intervening. And he intervenes and he brings us to this point of relationship. He brings us to a place with this Jesus of Nazareth, born to be the king of the kingdom of heaven to which we belong if we know and trust him. Now this is what Christmas to me is all about. Yeah, I, shall, I guess I shall celebrate. I'm not a miserable old goat on Christmas Day. I really like the bit of the old turkey and a bit of the, this, that. And uh, I'm, I think I'm getting the old present or two, you know, because my kids still kind of love me a little bit. And yeah, I shall celebrate with the best of them. But I want to be here Christmas morning. Because the story is told, actually, of a, a young man. This was told by my previous vicar in Sheffield. And he walked along the street one day and he saw this little boy outside his house crying his eyes out. Crying his He was just absolutely distraught. And uh, he stopped and he asked the little boy, he said, are you all right? He said, no, I'm not. He said, well, tell me what's wrong. And he said, I've been shut out of my own birthday party. Yeah, oh, can we have a big R for that, please? Yeah, that's better. Come on, a bit of response here. And, and that's, that's the tragedy of Christmas, isn't it? So much of our world shuts Jesus out of his own birthday party. I hope you'll be here with us. If you're away, obviously that's not true. But that we, we acknowledge on that day of days that Jesus Christ came into the world to deliver us. And Matthew records this. Now, this, here's the shocking bit to, to close with. Um, I argued with this. When I was training in Oxford, I had a year-long argument with my tutor about this issue. It's great fun. And Matthew records the arrival of these um, magi, wise men, call them what you like. But they're a group of Gentiles. They're not Jews. And Matthew is a gospel written to Jews. Matthew's purpose, we used to say, I used to say, was written to help them understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Messiah uh, promise. But Matthew is reminding his Jewish readers that this Jesus is not just for them. Because the first people in his account that come to worship are those that are not from that Jewish background. And it's not hard to understand. Again, if you go right back through the Old Testament, what do you find? You find Abraham was told, Genesis 12, 3, all peoples on earth will be blessed by you. Jonah was told to go and preach to the Gentile city of Assyria, Nineveh. It was never meant that the Jews would kind of clam it in and say, this is our Messiah, he just belongs to us. No, it was never meant to be that way. The Jews were meant to be an evangelistic nation to spread the good news of the gospel to, to the, the ends of the earth. God was a God who was always looking for his people to reach out and that, I believe, and you can challenge me on this afterwards if you like, has been a historic failure of that nation to not realize that. And Matthew is saying, look, this gospel is not just written so the Jews will be convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. It's written so that the Jews would take that good news out. You will find interaction with Gentiles running right through Matthew's gospel wherever you look. And how does Matthew end? You know it perfectly well. Go and make disciples of the Jewish nation. 
Don't think so. Go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am with you till the end of the age. End of gospel. Nothing's changed, my friends. Nothing's changed. The need to make this story that wise men came to Jesus and they still do. But when you see a light that points you to God, follow it. Don't sit on your bottom back at home. Get out there and find where he's leading you. We must not lock the gospel up in a neat little package called church. We must not. It needs ambassadors. It needs missionaries. It needs gospel gossipers. It needs garden fence chatters. It needs all of us to think of someone, someone. I've got a guy who lives next door to me. He's a great mate, Chris. He's got one big problem. He's, got, he's a Man United fan. So you can imagine the conversation that he and I have had about managers in the last few weeks. It's been great fun. The other day, he just asked me, what are you doing at Christmas, Dave? And we had a conversation with his two dogs sat there just talking about what it might mean to do something to do with God at Christmas. People who love Jesus tell others because that's what we're called to do. Matthew's gospel is about that. Matthew is saying it's for everybody. Gentiles worshipping the Son of God would have shocked a first century Jew. By the time he was writing his gospel, historically it's reckoned that there were Gentiles flooding into the first century church because they'd heard it and they wanted to know. And did he write it for that very reason? Possibly. But they show us the way. If you go to the wrong king, materialism, secularism, consumerism, call it any ism you like, you'll not find truth. So go to the right king, the king of the Jews, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Go to the right place where you're going to meet him, in church, on your walks, out there, in the high street, wherever. But listen to God's word. That's what he wants us to do this Christmas. And I'll leave somebody else next week to unpack what happened when those wise men finally got there to Bethlehem. I can't tell you how frustrating it is not to be able to tell you that next bit, but I'm sure somebody would do it brilliantly next week. So there we go. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that your light shone for these guys from, from wherever. And they followed because you'd spoken to their hearts. And they knew they had to follow it through until they found the King of the Jews. Lord, may we be this Christmas those that seek to follow him, to serve him, to do what we can to let others know that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we pray that in our nation, in its current phase of life, as it starts on a new beginning maybe, that that beginning may be characterized by Jesus Christ being at the center 
of this community, of this city. And may Jesus' name be heard so that men and women can trust in him and follow him. We won't follow a star, Lord, but boy, do we want to follow you. We want to be where you are. So help us seek in the right place for the right king. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Dave.